on the cover. Eden and Ryan hold hands while KT holds on to Ryan's head, floating gently behind them. They walk through the dense, iridescent vegetation of Sinroth Woods. Their eyes scan the forest nervously as the ominous thoom, thoom, thoom of the massive footsteps of an approaching something echo around them. Wonder World Comics proudly presents The Midnighters, Volume 3, Into the Wilds, Issue 3, and What Alice Found There. Prepare yourself, dear reader, for another gripping tale of adventure, drama, and self-discovery. This is Wonder World Comics. Midas, you awake in your bed in the library. You kind of feel like shit. Uh, you have just a massive headache. You feel incredibly weak and drained. Uh, your chest has been bandaged, um, your, a couple of your ribs feel cracked, um, but you are, wake up in your room and you see Rin is, uh, asleep in a chair on the other side of the room. As a quick recap, the last thing that happened to me Mm -hmm. was escaping that warehouse, right? Correct. You've just been uh, resting and recuperating mm, Good at uh, your spot in the library. Um, Am I feeling re-gooed? You are, you are feeling like you can stand up today, which is nice. Mm, that is good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The goo is returning. Um... Rin must sense the goo returning as her eyes flutter open and she seals. Oh, good. You are awake. Do you remember what happened to you? Um, the last thing that I remember is putting up a, a fiery bubble to protect us from a collapsing warehouse building. Good. Good. You probably do not have a concussion. And if you do, it is probably many fewer than your friend Sam. Uh, oh, what's what's uh, what's happening with Sam? Oh, I'm not quite sure, honestly. Um, I do not know where your friends are. Which means they are probably in danger. Oh, well, when was the last time you saw them? Yesterday. Hmm. Did they say where they were going? They mentioned finding the Feywilds. Hmm. But I in believe... In an alternate dimension? That was what I was gathering. I am still unfamiliar with the terminology, but I, I believe you are correct. Um... Think I can get us there. Hmm. Uh, however, her, she runs her hand along the hilt of her sword. Says, uh, "Are you? You sure you're ready for this?" Uh, I can stand. So that's a bless. That is good. I just um. How did they get there? Did you see them leave? I stayed here to look after you while you were unconscious. Did Threshold go with them? He did not. Oh. 
Well, perhaps we could utilize him since he probably helped him get there. Uh, I heard something about magic dust in a fairy circle from Geodica, but uh, I believe I can cut a portal with my sword. Just uh, want to make sure you're up for it first. You know, you can you can talk to me if you need to. Sure. I mean, we'll we'll knock down from you know explosions and torture and you know escaping near death several times, but. Oh, let's hop on a portal. Excellent. Excellent. Once we have your friends back, we can start to make a plan to save Lucia. Deal. And we we turn the page. Um, and we get a beautiful two-page spread of uh, a massive feast being thrown in uh, Belch's household. Um, uh, Hinder hunted a, uh, brought back a wild boar from her hunt, uh, which has been roasted to perfection. Uh, Jinal and Joran have been running around screaming the entire time. They're, uh, and, uh, yeah, Frey has been working tirelessly to make this, uh, wonderful feast for everyone. And, uh, finally, uh, you are all sitting down enjoying some, uh, yeah. Smoked boar and other Feywild delicacies, and sipping on glittering fairy wine, which um, does not get you uh, drunk on alcohol, but rather if you have too much, you get kind of drunk on happiness and warm fuzzies. Um, what are we all? What are you guys all doing in this wonderful scene? Where do we find uh, Katie and Ryan and Stitch? KT is holding on to the top of a coat rack. Uh, is the coat rack in this room? Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, Ryan is gonna, like, uh, make you a plate of the food and, like, take it over to you. KT shall graciously accept and hold on to it. With three other limbs onto hanging onto the coat rack. <laughs> Your gravity powers have not returned yet, KT. You've not been able to sense the the stars and the constant uh, just mathematical certainty. The gentle pull. Exactly. Um uh, yeah, and you're just kind of, until you feel like you can find some other sort of constant to rely on, it's just, uh, your gravity powers just don't seem to be coming to you here in the Wilds. Do you want to come and sit at the table with us, Katie? You can sit, like, on my shoulders if you want. I shall attempt to hop from the, uh, I shall attempt to hop from the coat rack onto Ryan's shoulders but every every movement feels as though you're trying to pull yourself out of a swimming pool after swimming for several hours and you no longer have the gentle support of buoyancy on your side what is Stitch up to? Cardigan is messing with her inheritance or succession badge 
and quietly whispering, I want to be queen. I want to be a princess. I want to be royal. Seeing if she could get her number to change like Ryan did. Except she <laughs> wants hers to go down. Right, right. Um, as you... How, how long have you been doing this? Any spare moment since the moment she had it on the journey over here. And consistently since whatever was entertaining her at the feast stopped entertaining her. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, uh, Jinal and Joran kind of walk over, or yeah, tumble over to you and uh, look at you. And they're like, ah, that's a small number for 99. Look at me, look at me. And they both try and show you their um, matching identical 477 badges. So, yeah. How how is your number so small? You're just up there. Oh, I don't know anything. But your number's lower than mine. How do I get mine to do that? Well, our daddy's really important. His number's like four five oh four fifty, and mom's are four forty nine four forty eight because we're important in keeping peace in the valley. Where can I get a dad? I don't know. I just kind of found mine. She's going to look puzzled and frustrated at that and continue fiddling with the badge. Um, it is as uh, KT and Ryan make their way into the dining room and everyone is kind of settling around. Uh, uh, Hinder... Uh, Belch's elder wife uh, stands up and raises a tankard of glittering fairy wine. Friends, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Welcome to our home. It is our great honor, no, our joy, to host you brave heroes who have brought our darling Belch home to us. A toast, then, to friends and family. And, uh, so Raz, uh, yeah, everyone clinks their glasses and takes a, a swig of delicious glittering fairy wine. What do you guys think of it? Ryan doesn't actually drink it. Ryan pretends to sip it. Ryan doesn't drink. Jinal and Joran notice this, and one of them snatches your glass, and they fight over trying to drink the rest of it, because it is <laughs> rather delicious. <laughs> Cardigan would be like any kid with sparkling grape juice, which means there's probably clear evidence that she's consumed it on her face and her hands are sticky. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and you you do feel just like a warm, bubbly contentedness in you as you're just kind of punch drunk on the the wholesome vibe that's around you. KT shall very ginger slip this Feywild wine. Because, uh, back on Earth, they were under strict orders from the Mantis to not eat anything made of meat nor drink any alcohol related liquids. And, uh, conspicuously missing from all of this is Sam. And, uh, we get a frame that's kind of pulled back from the party, and we 
drift upstairs into a bedroom where we see Sam feverishly tossing and turning with Waldo crouched at his bedside. And then suddenly he is wide awake and his eyes snap open. And we turn the page. Eden, you and Drew, uh, a.k.a. Shrike, have been following this uh, small, fey, whimsical creature who's uh, bouncing along through the air in front of you for uh, a little bit of a while now. Uh, how's it? How's it going? I think it's going. I mean, I assume we're just following this bay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a uh, very diminutive, like less than a foot tall, perhaps. Um, wears uh, a black cloak. It has uh, like s- uh, soot gray wings that he uh. D- doesn't really seem to ever flap. They just kind of float lazily behind him as he drifts through the air as he pleases. Um, and, uh, yes, uh, but Wrinkle has been pestering you ceaselessly with questions the entire time. Ah, uh, yes, yes, and what is it? What have you left behind to come here? And what is it that you seek? I thought we already told you we're looking for my friends. Ah, uh, yes, yes, I'm opponent. Ah, oh, oh, yes. Uh, I'm afraid I'm a little forgetful. Uh, terrified, actually. What a dreadful thing that would be. Well, Tom, appears we've come at a crossroads. And, uh, Wrinkle stops. And it appears you have indeed come to a fork in the path through the dense undergrowth of Sinroth Woods. And, uh, Wrinkle stops and turns to you. Now then, I, I suppose we must... Decide uh, where it is we are going again. Eden's starting to think he doesn't know where her friends are. Would she maybe try to pierce the mask to find out? Ooh. I'd try to pierce the mask again. That is an excellent idea. Well, it's a five, so. <laughs> ah. Um, as you, uh, peer into the cold black eyes of Wrinkle and try to, you know, glean some information out of him. He catches your eye and just winks so almost like mischievously at you. Um, and you just cannot read this creature. His, his mannerisms are so seemingly random. He has all these kind of strange facial, uh, He's just, um, yeah, just a, a, a strange little fey dude. Uh, however, he says, uh, Listen, listen, well, you see, there are two ways we could go to reach your friends, as you can see. And the important thing is deciding which one we shall take. You see, some go this way, and some go that way, and some go both ways. <laughs> Eden nods like she's familiar with this. Now then, one of the paths is rather short and should take us there in, oh, not very long at all. A very short walk, in fact. However, the other path is long and dangerous and will be several days of trekking through dangerous territory. But, alas, I seem to have forgotten which path is which. You didn't like to assess the situation. 
<laughs> Wonderful. Go ahead and, uh, yeah, roll plus your superior. That is a nine. Wonderful. Um, cool. So you get to ask one question. I get to ask two questions. You do, because you are always mindful of your I'm surroundings. I am so mindful of my surroundings. Let's, let's start with my favorite. How can we best end this quickly? So what you have kind of realized, um, as, uh, you have tried to, like, pin this creature down and see what he's up to, you feel like he has some sort of ulterior motive. But you've also realized that you and Shrike are so out of your element here, you have no idea where you're going, no idea really even what you're looking for, and he knows that. And so he kind of knows that he's got you in a bind, but doesn't want to, you know, doesn't want to be uh, a dick about it. If you were to do him a small favor, perhaps he would uh, be able to remember which was the shortest path. I'm going to hold on to my other question. Cool. Um, I think, I know she failed her Pierce the Mask role, but first of all, I don't think she trusts anyone ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think she thinks he's a little fishy. But I, I think she's going to say, you're absolutely sure you can't remember. Well, you see, the problem is, I lost my memory stone. I'm afraid I dropped it somewhere. Perhaps, I think it was in the cave on the way here. Uh, it's just a short ways away. If you and your brave friend could just, uh, pop in and, uh, grab it for me. It's a small red stone speckled can. Then, then we could be off. And onward to your friends. I'm terribly sorry. I do apologize for this inconvenience, but I would be most forever in your debt if you were to retrieve this for me. Finn's going to look at Shrike and see if she can, like, what's he think about this? Shrike looks at her and shrugs. Eden mumbles something about a side quest and says, fine. Wonderful, wonderful, just this way, just this way. And uh, he leads you down uh, one of the paths through the woods and into a clearing. And uh, through the middle of the clearing, there's a stream that kind of opens into uh, kind of a grotto. And at the bottom of the grotto is a cave. And uh, Wrinkle points at the caves. Yes, yes, that is. That is where I came from. It must have been in there that I lost my memory stone. Oh, there's definitely something creepy in this cave. Gonna go anyway, but... (laughs) Yeah, as you uh, approach the cave, it appears to be deserted. You don't see uh, anything around the mouth of the cave, really. And uh, further in, just like a few hundred feet, you do see a a sort of like football-sized red-looking rock. I'm going to go try and get the rock. Um, excellent. Uh, Michael's so unaccustomed to me just, like, doing the plot he anticipated. 
<laughs> I didn't think this would work. I was expecting you to derail it by ear. Oh. I don't understand. Why is she following plot crumbs? <laughs> uh, the moment you step across the threshold of the cave, you get a weird sense of unease in the pit of your stomach, and you're not sure why. But you are able to sneak your way through the cave, um, and you find this lone red rock kind of tucked into a corner, and uh, are able to grab it. And uh, do you do you pick it, pick it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's fairly rock shaped and rock weight. The last panel on the page shows Eden looking down at this curious rock while Shrike looks after her from the mouth of the cave. Um, and you turn the page to a um, somewhere else in the Sinrock woods. Uh, there's a pond and uh, with uh, lily pads with uh, the frogs uh, going about their day on them, um, you know, going from the market to market and shop to shop and saying hello to one another. And then this uh, piece is destroyed as space and time above them rends and tears in two as there's a flash of a silver sword and the thorn siblings step through a portal into uh, this little clearing around a pond and find themselves in the Feywilds. Uh, the grass is a beautiful cerulean blue. Uh, there's violet and orange plants and flowers growing everywhere. Uh, the sun is just starting to get low on the horizon and is uh, breaking into just uh, a prism of every color you can imagine, and a couple you weren't able to before as it scatters across the sky. Um, I take it that cell service isn't great here? Um, you do not have any bars. <laughs> hmm. I, I obviously don't see anyone I recognize around me, I assume. Um, you do not. Uh, the, you and Rin are alone as far as you can see. Her, the scars on her left arm were glowing with a fiery red light when she drew her sword and cut open the portal, and they're smoldering and steaming now, but they're returning back to normal. Mm. Um, you do notice, uh, the shape of a large, uh, bird flying towards you in the light of the setting sun, kind of silhouetted. And it grows, it starts getting bigger and bigger, and it looks to be a pretty large bird, like with like maybe a 10 or 12 foot wingspan. Um, is, is it like, oh no, it's coming right at me, kind of coming at me? Or like, oh, it just happens to be flying my direction, kind of? Um, it looks like it is heading towards you, but not... Um, you know, uh, aggressively. I don't know. It's flying casually. Yeah, just just flying cash. Exactly, okay. exactly. Um, and uh, as you get closer, you see it is a appears to be a snow white owl with um, 
molten gold dripping from the tips of its wings and feathers. Nice. Is it close enough that I can say hello? You can. Mm, I yell out hello. It says, I'm not sure this is a good idea. Before the owl calls back, Hello! Hello! <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. I am late. My name is Guildwink, and I am here to give you your badges of succession. And he skids to a stop in the grass. Says, uh, ah, yes, yes, welcome to the Feywilds of Spring, etc., etc. And he waves his wings through the air and leaves a trail of molten gold that solidifies into a huge notebook that folds open in front of him. Just, <laughs> he's, uh, takes one of his uh, talons and is dragging it down the page, looking for names. Ah, yes, yes. Here you are, here you are, one badge for you. And he hands you a small golden medallion that shimmers in your hand before snaking its way into spindly script that spells out uh, uh, the number 142. Mm, okay. And uh, Guildwing gasps. I've never seen a human with such a low number before. It is quite strange indeed. Fascinating. You must have powerful relatives or royalty somewhere, yes? Uh, you know, Gildwing, I can't say that I know what it means. And as you are saying this, Bryn takes her badge and it snakes itself into the words 27. Hmm, a good number. Um, Gildwing, what what do these numbers mean? Well, my lord and my lady, you are indeed a... It is impressive that you do not know of the throne that you are so ready to inherit. However, this is your line, your place in line for succession of the throne of Eternal Spring. Currently, our realm is ruled by Her Majesty the Nameless Queen. However, should anything terrible happen to her, or at the end of her life, well, then next in line shall inherit her throne. I'm not from here. <laughs> you are not indeed. It is quite a curious thing, indeed, rather special, quite spectacular, even. Okay, well, if uh, the first 141 guys keel over, I'll keep that in mind, Kilwing. Would you happen to know where some other humanoid friends of mine from Earth might be? I have seen several people over the last day who do appear to be vaguely Earth-human-shaped. Mm. I would be happy to lovely. assist you, my lord. That would be lovely. Can we can we fly out of here? Wait, can can we fly? I don't think we can fly. Mm. Get my carrier in suit form. Might be able to do that. Or also, this is what a twelve foot owl. It's like eight feet tall. Huh. He could probably do that, too. Well, I do wish I could assist you more, my lord and lady. I must be off. There are more travelers arriving as we speak. Could, could you point us in the, the right direction? Of course. Absolutely, my lord. It would be my pleasure. He bows and points his wing vaguely towards one horizon and says, And tell me meet again! And takes off. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I look at Rin and I say, well, I guess we're going, and I point in the same direction. That way. Um, as you, the two of you start walking through the woods, um, a, you hear a small voice from behind you. I'm, I'm gonna talk to him. Stick wait! And, uh, a small childlike creature leaps out in the path in front of you. Um, very small, you know, maybe three or four feet, uh, very slender, slight of build, uh, soft green skin and a small little button nose and, uh, just big coal black eyes that stare up at you. Mm-hmm. Hey, excuse me, are you a traveler in the woods? Uh, yes. And, Who are uh, you? I'm I'm called Stick, and my sister... And he yanks on something he's holding on to, which turns out to be the hand of his sister as he pulls her into the, the pathway and says, This, this is Reed. Reed and... I didn't catch your name. What was that again? Stick. Reed and Stick. Um... Have you seen anybody that looks vaguely human-shaped like us? Anytime recently in that direction? Yeah, actually. They were kind of rude. Oh. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. But would you mind showing us where those rude people were? We could help. I just thought it would be... Do you Have you guys been in these woods before? No, I've never been on this planet before. Well, then, I thought I should warn you that the animals in these woods are getting very agitated and lately, and the other hoblins and I don't know why. And so it's dangerous to go through the woods. Mm. So I thought perhaps if you were traveling there, possibly you could investigate along the way. Uh, do you know if uh, if we come across anything on on the way to uh, the other humanoids, we can certainly take a look. It's a deal. And uh, Stick jumps up and down and looks excitedly over at his sisters. See, see, Reed, we might be able to save the village after all. <laughs> and um, we turn the page. Uh, and we arrive back at, um, the Belch, the family household. After the meal, uh, who goes to check on Sam? Is there a handy network of cat ledges close to the ceiling, leading from the dining room to Sam's current whereabouts? Um, yeah, the, uh, the Belch family cottage is just a wonderful little home, uh, and it has, yeah, lots of shelves everywhere filled with pickling goods and cooking supplies and hunting spears, um, and all manner of the like. Uh, and yeah, there's also just a huge number of paintings that look like perhaps they were done by, uh, Jinal and Joran, um, 
and you can definitely scramble up the walls and like along the banister to the little room where Southpaw is staying. Then like Regan from The Exorcist, KT shall spider climb their way <laughs> across the ceiling. <laughs> 16 frames per second. <laughs> um, as you gently open the door and peer in the room, you see that Waldo and Sam are gone. And on the desk by the window, there is a note. That is unfortunate. This would be a lot more touching and heartfelt had KT known how to read English. <laughs> KT, shall, so what you... KT shall pick up the note and uh, bring it back to the dining room for, uh, for one of the others. What do you say as you enter the room with this note? Also, how do you enter the room? KT shall scramble across the tops of uh, the the edges of the paintings and the shelves and some of the taller chairs and maybe a coffee table. Jinal and Joran think this is a really fun game and have been following behind you the entire time. I did not see Southpaw, nor his symbiont Waldo, but I did find this piece of parchment with some sort of hieroglyphs upon it. I think uh, Katie enters the room and Ryan's sitting next to Cardigan. Probably wasn't before. Just sitting very close, just like watching Cardigan, still trying to change her number, probably. Um, yeah, how do you guys respond to hearing this news that your beloved Sam, who's been in a sort of a fugue state last day or so, has disappeared? Beloved is a stretch. For Orion? Your acquaintance, Sam. <laughs> Ryan's, Ryan's, Ryan's just like, yeah, you know. Cardigan looks, or doesn't look up from the bed and just says, yeah, he's probably on a boat somewhere. That guy's always on a boat. I did not notice any sort of shuttlecraft in the immediate area. All right, let me read it. Hand it over, KT. It is backwards and upside down when Ryan receives it. Ryan will <laughs> turn it right side up. Um, probably roll his eyes. <laughs> and then do a big dramatic sigh. Like, <sighs> My dear Midnighties, sorry to leave only a note for goodbye, but me and Waldo got to go it alone for a little while. Um... Wow, this guy can do this a lot. Anyway, um, I don't know if it was the kelp, the mildew on the boat's rigging, or the pickle soda, but something hasn't felt right in me for a while now. It's hard to explain, but it feels bad. I can't endanger any of y'all not knowing what's happening to me. I can feel the answer echoing somewhere out here in the Feywilds. Once I learn the name of my nemesis and the arc of my fate, Waldo and I will come find you all again. 
Peace and love, Southpaw. I just gotta tell you guys, I've done the pickle sip, and I didn't react like this. (laughs) (laughs) It's like not that bad. I don't know what he's going on about. That is that is interesting because when uh, when Southpaw attempted it, he acted like he was going to erupt volcanically from every orifice. Well, one day, KT, I will show you how it's done. It is at that moment, actually, that everyone hears a tremendous noise coming from Sinroth Woods. Um, what kind of noise? There's... Is it like fireworks? Is it earthquake? Is it? It's something. There. <laughs> oh, oh, it's something. The, something. the, oh the large sound of something. It's the sound of something. Hello, something, my friend. <laughs> I think I heard something. It's there's another, like um, there's another, uh, boom, boom, and the trees start to rumble and shake in the distant woods. And, uh, we turn the page to see Eden exiting the cave, holding the red stone. And behind her, there is a tremendous just as uh, at the top of the gorge looking down stands the ferocious Jabberwock. Mm. I knew there was something in that cave. Uh, It is a creature that defies description naturally, but I will do my best. It does look like something. It does look like something though, I will tell you that. If anything, it does look like something. Uh, the the closest thing is perhaps a a T Rex sized chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, it has like one of those uh, has yeah like a very bird like face. Sort of uh, has that weird like neck red hangy thing that uh, roosters and turkeys have. What's it called? Uh, chicken balls. Yeah, yeah. You are both correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a massive uh one of those. <laughs> a chin sack. A chin sack. Uh yeah, um and uh long like lizard like hands with scything claws, uh big spines going all the way down its back, uh covered in multicolored feathers and plumage and just rows and rows of sharp teeth, and three pairs of tusks coming out of its mouth. And the thing is, looks like it could swallow an elephant. Eden's gonna look back at Shrike and yell at him, look, more birds. And then she's gonna run. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, Boonflower, now? Really? And uh, he takes off after you, and uh, as you start running through the woods, you can hear uh, the laughter of Wrinkle just cackling around you. Um, Midas and Vryn, you hear a tremendous 
Something. Something. <laughs> the, you hear the footsteps and the shaking trees and the roar of the creature ahead of you. What do you do? Hmm. I turn to Reason Stick and I say, is that something that you were talking about? That would be a very upset creature, yes. That sounds like a jabberwock. Although, could be a wugwug bird. <laughs> are they friendly? They are, unless you steal their eggs. Hmm. Well, we won't do that. Is it, like... Are they, are they going on, like, a rampage? Are they going to be stopped? Is it, you know, would it be bad if they got lit on fire? And it is at that moment that Eden and Shrike come <laughs> bursting into the clearing. And Shrike is yelling, like, run! Run! Uh, Midas suits up immediately. And, uh, behind them, out of the trees, like, a dinosaur to Jurassic Park movie comes the terrifying Jabberwock <laughs> as it comes screaming after them. What do you do? Um, I grab I grab Reed and Stick in one hand each and, and swoop upwardly. Where are we going? <laughs> Away from that. Cool. Eden, what are you doing? Eden's looking for an opportunity to lose it, to at least temporarily to get out of its line of sight. Um, as you are running into the clearing, you see Rin standing ahead of you. Uh, Midas suits up, wings out, and takes off into the sky with the two hoblin children you saw earlier. Um, but Rin stands, plants her feet, squares her shoulders draw and draws the magical sword from its sheath and levels it at the charging Jabberwock and just says, finally. So she is ready to fight this thing if you need a distraction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that's enough to get its attention, then I'm going to sort of dart out of its direct line of sight and loop back around. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh, you, as you kind of make eye contact with Rin and Nodge, she charges forward and uh, her spiky plate armor of nightmare that Midas gave her materializes around her as she leaps into the air and with a gigantic slash runs through the grottle of the Jabberwock, and it screams in terror and turns to face her. Uh, everyone back at the cottage, you all hear this tremendous battle and screeching, and uh, then see in the sky above the trees a familiar horned and winged silhouette ascending. What do you do? Ryan will, like, you know when, um, uh, people who work with birds or own birds, like, put their arm out for the bird to come? Ryan's going mm -hmm. to do that to 
KT. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever KT is, because, you know, like, we've got to go, and, you know, KT can't rely on coffee tables out there. So. We shall call this maneuver falconing. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so yeah, Ryan's going to falcon KT. That doesn't sound um. right. <laughs> you said it. I regret KT. it. <laughs> KT, it's you focus on Ryan and leap towards his uh, outstretched forearm. <laughs> you feel just a little bit lighter as you float through the air. That must be the alcohol taking effect. Can I what focus on mm-hmm. it? Absolutely. Hi, Kitty. Sorry, Max is on that, was, to be involved. <laughs> that was that was the, the general. That was the sound of KT focusing on it. <laughs> KT, focus up. Max, <laughs> <laughs> hearing um, the podcast. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and give me a roll to unleash your powers, KT? That's going to be plus freak. Correct. Ooh, that is a five plus a five plus a two for a 12. Heck yeah. Heck yes. And as you leap towards... Ryan, you realize that, well, you have been, I mean, not floating, but kind of floating aimlessly without the, the tether of gravity and it, the, the constant assuredness of, of being basically mathematics manifest. Um, you feel that kind of float away as you focus on Ryan and realize that, that while you have been here, Ryan has been sort of your constant and your friends and Belch and his family. And as you leap towards Ryan and recognize this and draw on your, your friends as your source of strength and your, uh, your constant, you alight on Ryan's forearm as light as a feather hovering just millimeters above it. I do not know if it is the love and support of my friends or the flesh meat of a living creature that I have tasted, but I am now surging with power. I do not have any more friends with which to pull love from, so perhaps if I eat another living creature, I shall grow stronger still. (laughs) You you know that, like, our love doesn't just get pulled and then, like, that's it. Like, the love continues. So it is a limitless source. Well, yeah, I mean, unless we stop being friends, but... It can be exploited. No, no. Well, I wouldn't phrase it like that. I would say it more like it can give you power. That sounds a lot better. Yeah. I think <laughs> if, like, you're meeting new people and you say the word exploit, they probably won't be your friend, you know? And that access to power shall be cut off. <laughs> this makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, you won't get a friend. 
I would like to. I would like to. What would I? Let me check something here real quick. Because now we realize that all of the Mantis's concerns and worries about KT learning the wrong lessons while on Earth Earth were completely justified. So, what I think I wish to do, I uh, I don't know if this falls under reshaping my environment, but I think I would like to preemptively increase the density of uh, Ryan's skin to give him uh, to give him skin of. Uh, skin of granite. Would you consider that uh, unleash your powers roll, or um, I? I would consider that to be an unleashing your powers roll. If Ryan was in imminent danger, I think it might be a, a defend. But since they are not, I think a, an unleash your powers makes sense. Go ahead, Ryan, and give us that roll plus. Break. Ryan is not in immediate danger because they are a source of love and friendship. I do not need to attempt to eat their living flesh meat in order to. <laughs> I appreciate that a lot. Like, more than I can say. Oh, snap. We have a 6 plus 2 plus 2 for a 10 total. Wonderful. Um, what does it look like on the page? And, Ryan, what does it feel like as your skin becomes ultra-dense and granite-like? The, uh, every little source of dust and lint, spare crumbs of salt and sugar on the table, everything small and light, very slowly start rolling towards Ryan as their atoms condense from the inside and out giving them a protective layer, their skin becoming as hard as the stone of the earth that we are no longer standing on. Uh, like Dragon Ball Z, but not in a way that will allow us to have their lawyers come after us. Um, how does this work? Because my, my brambles come out of my skin. Are they, tra- are they trapped in there now? Your your brambles are also magic, so I'm just not going to worry about it. Comic book we'll, magic. Uh, the bram the brambles are also as dense as granite. We'll let the nerds worry about that. <laughs> Plants can grow through granite, I, so I feel like the um, like the immediate feeling. Pa- well, pa- paper is made of trees, and trees are plants, and paper beats rock. Well, we so. all know grass is super effective to rock. So there you go. Exactly. <laughs> As long as you have the PowerPoints to use that move, we should be all right. <laughs> According to science, Pokemon and rock, paper, scissors, you should be good. Um, uh, well, fine. I won't like, say what I was going to say about it. Then. This is oh, I mean, no, that's... Use <laughs> <Right laughs> your science against me, that's fine. <laughs> um, no, I was going to say, it's probably like... I mean, Ryan's like, freaked the fuck out. Um... <laughs> But it probably wouldn't, like, the main feeling, apart from, like, yeah, like, feeling like, you know, his skin is not his skin anymore. She's also got, like, her brambles, like, probably, like, poking at, like, the tattoo skin, like, um, inquisitively, like, 
and like you know they they eventually push through but they're like doing their own thing being like what the fuck is going on it um, it definitely <laughs> does not resemble a uh, a mutated man pushing any sort of a knifey shaped object out of his own skin definitely does not look like anything that can be taken to court like that no i don't know why you'd ever make that comparison they're completely different completely different they just have spiky things that come out of their skin and then they heal but i don't see i don't see anything um but yeah and i think um so i think like ryan because katie's not like on me they're just hovering above me right or like around like next to me Uh, high or low? Uh, low? KT is gently orbiting Ryan at this moment. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think Ryan's going to kind of like stumble backwards, probably literally into Cardigan. Um, uh, and then probably, I guess, like, you know, bumping into Cardigan and her, like, touch doesn't feel the same. And, um, he's, he's having a full on, like, existential crisis right now. Um, this is like, uh, gender dysphoria turned up to a million. Like, like, my skin is literally not my skin. Uh, so yeah, Ryan's like turns around and like looks at Cardigan and looks probably more scared than Cardigan's ever seen her look. Cardigan was probably uh talking to Belchin uh his wives at that moment when Ryan bumped into her. Uh she was thanking them for their hospitality and their meal and offering to do the dishes. And then Ryan bumps and she says, oh, she turns around and sees that Ryan's upset and says, what's wrong? Uh, I don't know. Something is, my skin is, there's something wrong with me. I have altered the density of... Royal Ryan's immediate outer layer. I believe. I don't feel like they're enjoying that. To it. <laughs> Everything Perhaps. feels real weird. Perhaps I shall stop. <laughs> it seems that if you attempt to draw strength from your immediate love and friendship. It is perhaps a good idea to one knows what is happening with a very short discussion beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, KT is learning a valuable lesson about consent. Yeah, that's called consent. <laughs> I think uh, if, if KT like, stops whatever's happening, uh, I'm gonna like uh, shake like a uh, a dog that's just gotten out of water, like uh, almost mm-hmm. like involuntary kind of like shiver of like get it off me, um, and then without thinking, gonna grab Cardigan's hands just to test if 
um, if my hands feel the same and if Cardigan's hands feel the same and just like be squeezing Cardigan's hands and like, okay, all right, um, yeah, yeah, this is good. Yep. <laughs> I thought you were going to suggest drying off with Cardigan. That <laughs> felt a little racist. No. I- <laughs> Poor little scarf. <laughs> um, and we turn the page, and we get a close-up shot of Midas flying through the air, flames trailing behind him, and two small hobbling children dangling from his hands. Um, Stick is just grinning from ear to ear, and Reed is just like, Put us down! Put us down! Put us down! Um, I, I swoop around so that I can kind of see what's going on with the, the Jabberwock below. Um, I mean, obviously this thing is, is T-Rex size. How, how big is it compared to the trees? Are trees still pretty big compared to that? Yeah, yeah. The trees are tree size. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna swoop down to to lower them onto the upper branches of one of the nearby trees. And then assess the situation from there. Awesome. Go ahead and give us that roll plus mundane. Hmm. A two. Oh wait, I didn't roll that twice. Yeah. Hmm. A seven. Ooh, that's good. It's good. Um then did you have a um what is that do you have guilty marked oh I probably have everything marked but let's see yeah that one's still marked ah ah alas alas a five um so you turn uh to kind of get a better look at the Jabberwock and it spins around screeching at Rin and its tail lashes through the air and whips you out of the trees and just slams you hard down onto the ground. Nice. Um, go ahead and take a powerful blow. Mm, do I roll twice? You do. 2d6 plus the number of conditions you have marked. Twelve? Ooh. Ooh. So that's the one you don't want to roll high on. Mm, that's the one I did. Mm, yes, ex- okay. Uh, on a 10+, plus, you must remove yourself from the situation, flee, pass out, etc. Lose control of yourself or your powers in a terrible way, or two options from the 7-9 to nine list, which are lash out verbally, give ground, or struggle through the pain and mark two conditions. Mm, I'm going to have to probably back out of the fight here. So... I'm going to probably have to swoop back up to the tree. Or perhaps farther away. Yeah, um, I mean, if you're just like, you you take the hit and you are feeling it. Like, your ribs, like, actually break instead of just being cracked. And you are just, like, out of it on the ground. Mm. Um, Eden, you see... Your buddy Midas take a hard hit uh, as the Jabberwock turns to face Rin. What do you do?
Um, I'm kind of behind it now, right? Mm-hmm. Um... You still have an assessed situation question. I do still have an assessed well. situation question. I'm just thinking I should use that. <laughs> um... I guess I am going to use this one. I, I know this creature was somewhat described to me, um, but it is still an unfamiliar biological form. Um, so I, I want to, I guess, assess this creature specifically, and I think maybe the corresponding question is, like, what here can I use to take this thing out? Or basically, like, just looking for weak spots on this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, as you are staring at the creature um, and trying to find weak spots on it, you uh, notice that the way it's leaping around is uh, and moving and kind of the way it's uh, it, it's protecting the cave um, kind of instinctively. And, uh, you look down and realize that the stone you're holding is not Wrinkle's memory stone, but in fact, the egg of the Jabberwock. And that is why it is enraged. You know, I think that I am going to... Give the egg back to it. I think it had seemed important when she grabbed it to like get to her friends as quickly as possible. But seeing Midas injured, the priorities have shifted a little bit. I mean, I, I guess she doesn't know that Midas isn't with like everyone else. She maybe thinks that he knows where the rest of the crew is, but um, yeah, I I think getting this thing called off is the more immediate concern rather than trying to uh, you know, do whatever Wrinkle wanted, so I think she's actually going to sort of roll this egg towards the Jabberwock. Go ahead and give me a roll to provoke. Plus one. That is a 12. Heck yes. On a 10 plus, they raised, they rise to the bait and do what you want. Um, so as you kind of realize this, um, you hold the egg up and the Jabberwock, like, its head snaps around. Um, and, uh, you realize that you need to, yeah, uh, so what do you, do you, like, say something to Rin, or she's still in, like, on combat mode. No, she can stay in combat mode. It's kind cool, of cool, cool, right? Um, I'm into it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the Jabberwock is kind of looking between the two of you, and as you place the egg on the ground, it just its eyes snack over to you, and you have its full attention. And as you gently roll it on the ground, um, it shuffles up to you alarmingly fast and then 
just as suddenly sits down on top of the egg and folds its little arms and legs up around it and just does a little sit in the little of the meadow and looks at you rather grumpily. Eden's fine with that. I don't think she's you know, like horrified by this thing. It's big. It's a threat. But like, you know, <laughs> there are scarier birds than chickens. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is, uh, how does the rest of the team roll up on the, uh, the Jabberwock? Which, which rest of the team are you talking? Well, are you guys gonna go investigate and see what Midas was up oh, to us. and oh, the giant noise oh. in the woods? Not yet, no. Cardigan <laughs> has a stethoscope out and in a series of comic book panels with her prior consent is examining Ryan and making sure that he is alright and has like one of those little knee hammers and taps his knee and then is checking his breathing, not in the right spot, and then is like kind of poking uh, them with different parts of the needle, like the elbow, the shin. You shall spend time in the pool to create a small glowing orb, roughly forehead level, on uh, on Lady Cardigan. <laughs> To give her a source of light while she examines Ryan. Oh, thank you, Graviton. You make a great nurse. Note to the editor explicitly said, spend one team from the pool. Uh, okay, yeah. I, I mean, Ryan's loving the attention. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, uh, nod solemnly and, you know, look between my, my doctor and my nurse. And, you know, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm alright now. Thank you. You do still appear to have skin. Yep, that's the way I like it. Have you made sure to check his thoraxics cartilage plate? What's that? Um, do you do you not have one? I, I don't know what is it. Lady Stitch, Lady Lady Stitch, you are the doctor here, correct? I do have a stethoscope. Do do humans not possess a thoraxic cartilage plate? She's going to very officially and very assuredly point her needle at Ryan's nose and be like, of course they do. It's right here. Cardigan, anyway. then, the impatient one, um, noticing that Ryan is okay, is out the door as she is running towards the something that was noisy, is taking on her Ryan cosplay. She's wearing overall shorts. One strap is thrown over her shoulder. The other one is strapped on the overalls. She has a red shirt under it and big boxing gloves that look like they're made of cactuses. Oh my god. And her hair just shortens and 
spikes up in a wavy pattern. Royal Briar, do I have your permission to lift and support you like you lifted and supported me in my time of need? Emotionally or physically? Physically. Uh, sure. Are you going to bring Stitch too? I shall place my hands upon Royal Mighty Briar's shoulders and we shall rock it towards the sound at 300 miles an hour. Ryan has regrets. <laughs> <laughs> Instant regrets. Um, Eden, what do they find when they arrive back at the clearing? The Jabberwock is sitting on its egg and Midas is still out like a rock. I mean, I imagine I'm trying to do some first aid on Midas. Like, I'm making sure he's still breathing. Mm-hmm. He is that. Which is good. You are slowly kind of starting to come to Midas. <laughs> With a couple broken ribs. Yeah, so this is the, that's the scene you guys uh, arrive at when you find this clearing. See the Jabberwock sitting on its eggs, or on its egg, looking very dis- disheveled. I think, I imagine, yeah, I imagine the Jabberwock is just like glaring at Eden, and she's glaring back because she's used to like glaring at birds. <laughs> <laughs> This all feels kind of familiar to her, actually. <laughs> uh, is Katie going to put me down, or are you still <laughs> me? We shall, we shall land as soon as we come to the clearing. Ryan's got the, like, uh, dizzy lines around his head. <laughs> and he's, like, uh, looking around, but not quite looking at anyone, trying to... She's trying to focus on what's going on. There's a giant chicken and a, and a, another bird that must be the Jabberwock. That was a Shrike joke. Um, <laughs> he is a large chicken. <laughs> Ryan thinks that you're a funhouse mirror at first because he's so dizzy and he's like, is that? No, that's, that's cardigan. That's okay. And... <laughs> That was fast, KT. Indeed. I am familiar with making haste. I am not. Not that hasty. So where's the where's the something? Where's the big thing that we need to... I'm ready to punch, guys. And then he's <laughs> facing exactly the wrong direction. Let me at him. Um, Eden's going to notice them and say, Oh, there you are. Um, and then she's going to notice that Sam isn't with them. Um, I think pretty quickly. And say, did Sam follow you guys here or was he working today? No, we lost him. (laughs) You lost him? He was being a little bitch about the people slip and then he just left. Yeah, I guess he ran away is more accurate. He left a note. He left a note. It says it says something 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 like bye, see you later. I've taken Waldo. Something, something. The pickle sip was too much for me. Something something. 
Do you still have the note? Yeah, it's probably crumpled up in my pocket. Fancy. Ethan's going to read the note and look slightly grumpier than her usual grump. Um, and say, well, I guess some people don't even leave a note, and then she's going to crumple it up and, like, throw it behind her. <laughs> Eden has abandonment issues. I don't know if that's going to work. I just want to know what Shrike's doing. <laughs> the Shrike is, um, staring at the Jabber walk, and, uh, then, uh, notices KT and Ryan and, uh, Cardigan have arrived. Oh, Eden! Found your team! Did you use your special goggle things to see them? Did you need that? Actually, yeah. They uh, haven't been working too well here, so... Mm. Mm. Yeah, maybe, maybe some of us don't need those things and are just fine without them. And that's why we notice people hurtling through the air at 300 miles an hour. I was distracted by the giant purple chicken T-Rex. KT shall very subtly and silently increase the amount of photons that are bouncing off each of the currently present midnighters so that they become literally brighter in the clearing. Yeah, we get this... uh awesome shot of all the Midnighters glowing together um, together again for the first time in a long time except for one conspicuously missing baseball boy. And his symbiont. <laughs> and his symbiont four-legged friend. Yeah, you you return to um, Belch's home uh, where uh, hindered Freya the uh, uh, insist on throwing another feast in celebration of more friends arriving. In total, you spend seven days feasting and celebrating with the uh, the ogres in the Blue Mountains before you finally have to say your goodbyes. Midas woke up at some point, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Midas has uh, been getting... Yeah, he was coming too. You guys were all shown up. Bandaged up for seven days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm been healing and feeling much better. Um, oh, Cardigan, the magic and warmth and wholesomeness of the Feywild and uh, resting and feasting there for a full week has cured your damaged condition. Beautiful. Now I only have four conditions. Wow. Have to catch back up to Midas. (laughs) Can I like Roll a dice to see how many times Ryan changes who he's flirting with over the seven days. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because there's like, there's Rin, there's Cardigan. Who else is he flirting with? Eden. We probably flirt with Eden. Then the other. I guess I could throw KT in there. Royal Mighty Briar is friend, not food. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, okay. So this is great. There's Aiden, Cardi, and Rin. 
I'm going to roll a d6. <laughs> do I land on? Like, one to two is Cardigan. Three to four is Eden. Five to six is Rin. And that's who I end up at the end of the seven days, who's my love. One to Cardigan's two. Cardigan's a critical miss. One Rin to two. Mess. It's a two. Let's go. <laughs> Cardi. Cardi was already my love, so... <laughs> Excellent. As all things should be. I mean, everything is right. Yeah, in the world, but I yeah. know what they're talking about. We don't lie. Uh, um, yeah, uh, Belch and Freya and Hinder and Jainal and Joran have all gathered to see you off. They uh, are sending you home with armfuls of baked goods. And little flasks of fairy wine, um, and their love and happiness. Before she goes, Cardigan is gonna go whisper her full name into the ears of all the family members as payment for their hospitality and the fun over this time, and let them know if they ever need her, just call. Aww. Because you always pay your debts. And as you you talk to Belch, um, he gives you just uh, offers to give you just a gigantic ogre hug. Says, uh, "Is a uh, good to meet you, friend Cardigan. My name is Belchrin Online. You will always have a home here in the Fey." Cardigan curtsies and just turns to go with a smile. Eden's been pretending to hate this whole experience, but she does have, like, flowers braided into her hair, and she has been sleeping more than four hours a night, so she's actually doing pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, can we all have flowers braided in our hair? Yes, everyone who wants flowers can have flowers braided in their hair. (laughs) Do you have flowers, Midas? Um, they might be a little crispy, but, Mm, uh... Yes, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Dinal and Joran. Love, love breeding flowers. Did Eden get a flower or two in Shrike's hair? Um, yeah, absolutely. I don't think he would complain too much. Well, I'm thinking complain, but not complain, complain. Right, I mean, oh, he'd absolutely complain, but not, like, mean it, you know. (laughs) I mean, there's Um, not a chance that Cardigan doesn't have flowers in her hair. Not a chance. Absolutely not. And, uh, yeah, it is with, uh, Wholesome well wishes, and uh, Belch makes sure he gives each of you a hug and tells you that uh, they are very valuable in the Feywild and to treasure it always. So he gives it to each of you. There's just kind of a glow of warm light and happiness, and you find yourselves stepping out into the park in the middle of Old Town New Olympus. And as you check your watches, uh, you realize that it is the same day that you left, a mere seven hours later. That's really good. I thought Patrick was going to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) I think that is where uh, this issue will end. Our, Our heroes returning to their home. I think this is also the final issue of the volume, which means we get to do our end of session moves real quick. Sweet. Um, 
Yeah, uh, let's start with Midas. Throughout this whole entire arc that you participated in, Midas, um, who do you feel, or do you feel that you, grown closer to the team, away from the team, are more into your own image of yourself? I'd say image of myself. I've been dealing with a lot of uh, feisty stuff alone with some last-minute interventions by the team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's all worked out pretty well. Minus two broken ribs, but uh, it all ended pretty well. I mean, you survived. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, cool. So, uh, go ahead and shift your own labels. Shift any label up and any one label down. Duh, what are you thinking about that? Um, Eden, how about you? Did you grow closer to the team, uh, into your own image of yourself, or away from the team? I mean, I think the most logical thing here is that she grew closer to Shrike, but since he's not a PC, um... (laughs) Since he's not, I mean, you can you can absolutely grow closer to Shrike. Um, he would you would give him influence, and then you could clear condition or mark potential. Or I could just shift I my own totally labels in in a way that's reflected by my time spent with Shrike. <laughs> that I'm is, I mean, yeah, that. I mean, it's whatever whatever you think um, fits Eden best. Is she does she view Shrike as part of the team, or is she becoming her own idea of someone who would you know is hanging out with people? Yeah, I, I think I I'm going to keep it as growing into her image of self, just because like it's going to be very influenced by her time with Shrike, but it is like an internal reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, that that totally makes sense. Yeah. So I think given that she has had this kind of, I think for her fairly unexpected, like she definitely did not leave the house this morning in her jump in girl concert t-shirt, like expecting to learn Shrike's name or anything. Um, but I think that she is going to, in shifting her labels, shift savior up because what Shrike said about being a protector resonated with her. Um, so I'm going to shift Savior up, and I'm going to shift Freak down, because I think one of the things she really likes about Drew is that, like, he kind of just takes her and all of her Edenness in stride, um, and it makes her feel less freaky. Oh. Um. Uh, Cardigan Weaver, how about yourself? Cardigan Weaver has grown closer to the team. Awesome. Ryan in uh, particular. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) It's working. It's working. Awesome. Ryan, you get influence over uh, over Cardigan. I already have influence over Cardigan. Ooh, so you get to shift her labels. How do you see Cardigan? Uh, what kind of person really, do you think they are? Really, really, um, <laughs> oh, um, you meant the mechanic. I shift their hot up by <laughs> one. <laughs> um, I think Savior up 
because she like checked on me and was my doctor, even if I don't know if that was like helpful to me. Probably not. It's <laughs> <laughs> the thought that counts. Uh, and awesome. I think maybe put her Monday because awesome. she is a kid. So, I mark a condition then. No. Uh, you clear a condition. Well, or... my mundane can't go down any farther. Can I change my choice? Oh. Can I change my choice? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll allow it. Let's <laughs> take you freak down instead. All right. Cool. Um, and Ryan, how about yourself? Oh, uh. Or, uh, cardigan, you also get to clear condition or mark potential. And then, Ryan, closer to the team into your own image or further away from the team? Uh, definitely closer to the team. Who made you feel the most welcome and why? Oh, it's so hard between KT and Cardigan. I think I'm going to have to go with KT, though. Because um, Ryan really felt like valuable to the team, being able to help KT. Awesome, awesome. So KT gets influence over you. They didn't have it already. They already have it. <laughs> <laughs> so how does KT see Ryan now? KT. Sees Ryan. We shall drop Ryan's mundane down one point and raise their savior to the heavens above. Then <laughs> <laughs> you also get to clear condition or mark potential, Ryan. I'm going to clear condition. No conditions Excellent. for Ryan. Nice. Ryan is feeling it. Loved his trip to the Feywild. And last but not least, uh, the littlest space bandit, KT. KT has, uh, has felt themselves grow closer to the team. Figuratively and literally. <laughs> And uh I uh who who might have who could have possibly made you feel more welcome and weirdly why? Waldo. No. Um <laughs> <laughs> It's Ryan. Obviously. Obviously. Uh does Ryan already have influence over you? Uh do 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 yes. Awesome. Mighty Briar, Sounds- the strongest human, already already influences KT. <laughs> that is Ryan CKT. Uh, I think Ryan sees KT as uh, danger down because KT has Weaknesses apparently, and um, because KT weighs all of 
27 kilos. Yeah, because <laughs> Katie is, <laughs> is like nothing. Like, why was Stitch saying they were the strongest? Um, and mundane, obviously. Ooh. You're doing my some danger. very human feelings. My danger is now minus two. <laughs> <laughs> and my mundane is a zero. <laughs> Surprisingly, learning the lesson, lesson that consuming the flesh of others <laughs> makes you stronger, <laughs> make you less dangerous and more mundane. <laughs> oh, no one said Ryan's it. perception of the world was correct. <laughs> oh, Man, things beautiful. are getting funky in here because uh, Eden's mundane is also zero right now. <laughs> Wow, wow. Normalizing. Almost feels like a normal person. But I'm angry, so I still can't comfort or support anyone properly. I think that's actually why I pierced those, pierced the masks. (laughs) All is as it should be, then. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. That was awesome. Wonder World Comics is an actual play podcast of Masks, A New Generation, by Brendan Conway. This issue was GM'd by Michael Dunham, who can be found on Twitter at GalvanicMan. Southpaw is played by Charlie Smiley, who can be found on Instagram at BigSkyCharlie. Moonflower is played by Kyra Nelson, who can be found on Twitter at Kyra M. Nelson. Graviton is played by Sawyer A. The Righteous Flame is played by Theodore Hampton, who can be found on his website at TheoHamptonPhoto.com. Stitch is played by Justin Reed, who can be found on Twitter at WWComicsStitch. Mighty Briar is played by Kaylee Newberry, who can be found on Twitter at Kaylee underscore Newberry. Wonder World Comics is produced by Michael Dunham and is edited by Michael Dunham and Justin Reed. The music is from Dvorak Symphony Number no. 9. Do you have questions or comments? You can get a hold of us on Twitter at WWComicsPodcast or send us an email at WWComicsPodcast at gmail.com.